Welcome back to this Food Thing podcast with me, Gemma Richards, and season three. As before, I invite a special guest to share their experience with food, namely friend or foe, whether it is easy or less so. So exciting news. We've started a crowdfunder for the podcast and to help fund anyone suffering with an eating disorder unable to afford one-to-one therapy. Check the link in our show notes, donate, leave a review. We're always so grateful. Because you know if this area of your life is skewed, then so is the rest. It's never just about food. Hi, welcome back to this Food Thing podcast. Today I'm joined by Sally Dixon, aka The Fertility Chef. Sally trained at the College of Naturopathic Medicine and is currently studying for a nutritional and life coaching diploma. And Sally is here today to talk about food and fertility and share not just her own experiences, but also her mission, which is to fuel fertility, reproductive wellness, and the health of generations to come through food. When she's not knee-deep in dough, shredding lettuce, or scrubbing the kitchen floor, Sally works as a freelance writer and stylist. Sally, welcome to this Food Thing podcast. Thank you, Gemma. Nice to be here. Yes, finally, because we've had a few attempts, haven't we? We have, we have. We finally made it. (laughs) I know, amazing. Um, So I just, yeah, I just wanted to let the listeners know that you're actually in the middle of an IVF cycle or a fifth cycle well hopefully hopefully about to start about to Uh, start yeah I find out later today whether that's going ahead so okay fingers crossed (laughs) yeah absolutely fingers and toes crossed um did you become interested in food fertility when you started your IVF cycles or were you interested before um I would say it was after actually I started so um back in 2016 I started Mm -hmm. on my uh, fertility journey which is what a lot of people like to call it yeah. um and I did uh, two IVF cycles so one in 2016 one in 2017 um both of which were unsuccessful um I did actually get pregnant from them but they didn't they didn't go full term obviously and I then sort of started to look afterwards so kind of um after the horse's bolted kind of thing, stable door right. and all that, um, yeah. I started to look at how food might impact your fertility, uh, whether you're doing, you know, trying naturally or through IVF and, and kind of started to dig right into all the research papers that are out there um, that have been done towards the benefits of food and fertility. So, yeah. Did you, um, did you drastically change your diet? We will talk about this a bit more, but um, I wanted to ask you that first. Yeah, I did. I did. I think because when I was doing my first two cycles, I was I, I was running my own business, basically. I had a sportswear brand for seven years. Yeah. And it was very, very stressful. Um, it was great. I loved it. Um, worked with some fantastic people. But at the same time, it was very stressful running your own business. Um, you know, 24-7, you're never really able to switch off. And so for me at that time, food was very much just just sort of grab and go, not really thinking about what I'm eating, just eating when I'm hungry. So, you know, I'd quite often go quite a few hours because I was just so busy with work and, and not end up eating anything. And then just grabbing something on the run or eating a protein bar or a protein shake or something like that. Obviously being in, in fitness world in a sportswear brand, 
protein shakes and protein bars were were quite a big thing. Yeah, um, <laughs> along with the, along with the rice cakes. Yes, yes. So they were <laughs> they were the easy option. Yeah. And when I look back now, I I am not surprised that my my cycles weren't successful because I I basically was just like I said, eating on the run, eating to survive, as it were, and and not really eating to thrive. So I wasn't really giving my body you know, the vitamins and minerals that it needed for, for reproduction. And obviously I'm being really stressed at work as well, then, then that doesn't help either because there's quite a few studies out there that, that show that, uh, you know, the reproductive system is the first thing to switch off when you're in a state of stress or when you're in a state of fight or flight, because it's not essential to life, your, your own personal life. Um, so it kind of gets shut down. Yes, um, I, I, yes, which is why lots of uh, people develop hypothalamic amenorrhea. Yes, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, okay. So, would you say that? And can you cast your mind back? Would you say that clearly your relationship with food has changed? But would you say that food is friend or foe? I would say food for me at the moment it's eighty percent friend and twenty percent foe. And what's the 20% foe about? The 20% is because I think once once you go down the nutrition route and you start to to see, you know, the effect that food can have on your health, um, you start to kind of dive in dive deeper into all kinds of things. So I ended up having lots of tests done in terms of like food intolerances, um, you know, gut microbiome and all that kind of mm. thing. And mm-hmm. so when they start, when the tests start coming back and you're like, okay, so this test is showing me that I'm gluten intolerant and I'm dairy intolerant, uh, but I've been e- eating all of those things kind of thing um, yeah. for the last however many years. And then and then it, it sort of becomes a bit faux because then, you know, you start to think about your choices a lot more and think, well, I can't eat that because that's got gluten in it, or I can't have that because that's got dairy. And it and it, it becomes a little bit challenging eating it out. Um but but generally, you know, the 80%, I I love food and I, I'm so passionate about how food, eating the right food can really uh, you know, benefit your health and your future health. So yeah, it's that kind of 80-20 at the moment for me. I think if I didn't have these intolerances that had come up on these tests, then, then, you know, it'd be hundred percent friend. But, um, so do you think, okay, well, it's a, it's a big debating area, isn't it? But do you think you do have the intolerances? Do you, if you look back on your life when you were younger, can you correlate symptoms and how you felt to ha- how you eat now? And also what was your relationship with food like when you were a kid? What was your food like in your family? Did yeah. you ever have any issues around food? Um, I think I'm trying to think. What was your first question? I don't <laughs> so know. Many I questions can't remember. In that question. <laughs> exactly. I just moved through them all. My, my first question was about intolerances. Yeah. Do you think? You, Do I think I have them? Okay. Um. Yeah. yeah. Well, for me, I I don't really have any overriding symptoms. You know, say like if I eat a pizza or whatever, I'm going to get chronic stomach pain. Mm. However, I do have very high thyroid antibodies okay which uh is kind of a well you know they call it Hashimoto's but it's a Mm. precursor to hyperthyroid and and there is some kind of correlation between um food being a bit of a trigger for those antibodies so if my if my body is already basically my body thinks that gluten 
is the enemy, as it were, and it produces antibodies towards mm. the gluten. Um, and so for me, it's more about managing the thyroid so that it doesn't turn into a hypothyroid situation. Okay, um, okay. And what was, So what was food like when you were younger and what were the messages that you got about food from your from your early life? Yeah, I think, so I definitely struggled with food in my teenage years. I would right. say probably like around 15, 16. In what way? I, I just wouldn't eat, basically. Oh, just okay. Would, I just wouldn't eat I'd, I'd, or I'd eat very little. Um, you know, sometimes I'd just have like an apple or something for, for lunch, which when I think about it now is absolutely crazy. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I think it was just I grew up in that era of the supermodels and, um, you know, it was that whole kind of like very much focus on the body and um, all these amazing, you know, like Cindy Crawford, Linda Evangelista, yeah, yeah. Naomi Campbell. It was, mm -hmm. you know, the 90s, the early 90s. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I wanted to work in the fashion industry as well. So I was very much surrounded by this kind of aesthetic of these uh, supermodels, which obviously is is unattainable for for most people, yeah. And and I think for me that was just a bit of a kickstarter, really. I think to 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 restrict my food. Um, Did your friends restrict their food? No, they didn't. And I went to an all girls school as well. Okay. Um, no, they didn't. They didn't. And I I don't really know what it was that triggered in my mind to think. Oh, you know, we. I, I need to look like these girls that are on the the cover of Vogue or whatever. Um, and so I'm just not going to eat anything. <laughs> Those messages are powerful, though, aren't they? And they're subliminal, and they, yeah. they come at you. You know, definitely. And I and so, I would say it only lasted for a couple of years, though, maybe two years, because I distinctly remember um, my brother had just moved to Hawaii at the time. Uh, lucky, mm. lucky brother. Yeah. Um, so I got to visit him. Well, lucky sister. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I got to visit, visit him when I was around 16, 17. I went there on my own. That's uh, exciting. Very exciting. Yeah. Very, wow. very. I'm so glam. I, yeah, I'm actually <laughs> impressed that my parents let me go all that way. <laughs> <laughs> Trusted me on my own. Yeah. Um, but I distinctly remember from that holiday, looking back at the photographs later and, and thinking, ooh, you don't look very good. You look way too thin. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So it That's was, so interesting because you could have thought, oh, I look fantastic. Yeah. But not thin enough, which no. is... I was actually quite shocked when I... Were you? When I saw the okay. pictures. Yeah. But okay. I, I didn't really see that when I looked in the mirror, I guess. But... Oh, right. Okay. When I saw it in print, back when we used to print our photos. Yes. Like um, <laughs> in the old days. Yeah. I... Yeah, I was, I was, I shocked myself. So... Yeah, I just I that's fascinating because I used to look at pictures and think of, of people who were very. This is just is very unwell, but of people who were super super skinny mm. and and think <clears throat> not thin enough. And certainly, if I looked at pictures of myself, so you well you, you clearly put a stop to it and you started eating. You I did. Yourself. Yeah, and I think just just my parents kind of seeing the upset that it was causing them as well. Okay. To to kind of see me like that, then, then, you know, that was a big factor in it as well. Um, I, I guess I just kind of saw that what, what I was doing wasn't, wasn't really the way forward. Um, 
And, and you know, I'm glad that I did. But I do did kind it, of worry now that maybe did, did that at that time when I when I was going through that when I was a teenager, has that impacted my um, my reproductive health now? What, two years of not eating properly? I, yeah, I don't know, but, I think our bodies are very resilient, you know, and we recover from all sorts of things. True, yeah, true, true. I mean, yeah. I know those teenage years are very important in terms of hormone development and all that kind of thing, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I, but also depends on uh, how many hormones you come into the world with, mm. you know, how, how your mum's hormonal profile is and how her mum's is. And Oh, totally. I'm actually reading a book at the moment and it's called You Are What Your Grandparents Ate. Ah, it's really yeah, interesting. <laughs> it skips a generation, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Yeah, it we does. follow our grandparent yeah. grandparents and not our, our parents. Yeah. So, okay, well, I'm sure that's going to come up a bit later. <laughs> so you went, did you go to fashion school? I did. I went to London College of Fashion. Ah, so that's very interesting because I would have thought it would be rife for eating disorders and it would have been a perfect place for you to continue not eating. Yeah, I did. It wasn't really, it wasn't really a place. No, I I didn't get that actually with the eating disorder thing. The only thing I did get was I lived in halls of residence, uh, which at the time were in Tooting in London mm. and mm. the state of not the so kitchen. glam no not very glam <laughs> sorry for anyone who listens to you it's not Hawaii is it <laughs> it's not Hawaii <laughs> um and the state of the kitchen there was also not Hawaii um right. and <laughs> so I I I wouldn't really keep anything in the fridge just because it was so disgusting in there because no one ever cleaned it as all being students obviously and uh-huh. so I just remember keeping tins of stuff in my um, halls of residence room and just eating out of a tin constantly which again is when I look back I'm like gosh like because I think no one really teaches you about nutrition obviously at school during your school years I mean yes you maybe do home economics and baking and things but no one teaches about you nutrition so I would just happily sit there in my halls of residence and eat you know a tin of tuna out of the can yeah um, and think that was you know great so <laughs> Yeah. And I think you're absolutely right because you're taught about it. I remember we did, I did a cooking, I don't know, what was it called? Home economics, domestic science exam, mm. O-level, GCSE, whatever. O-level, I'm that old. And and I think one, I remember this, it was like, what would you cook a, a 75 year old woman? Yeah. And the choices that you had to make were like, uh, I think it was apple pie um, and, and place and then soup because the understanding was was that old woman wouldn't have any teeth. Right. She wouldn't right. be able to digest her food properly. Oh. I'm sure it's all moved on. But I remember that was one of the questions. And we were never taught about nutrition in the sense that if you understand this, you'll be able to keep yourself healthy. Yeah, it or just the basics the guy, of a balanced basics, meal. For sure. And particularly with hormonal health, particularly for girls, and also very important for boys. Um. Yeah, I, it's, I don't know what happens now in school. I don't know if it is more comprehensive. I don't know. I'd like to think. Well, I, I, I hope that they're teaching some some more basic nutrition to kind of set uh, students on their way when they go to university and college. But um, yeah, I never, I never, definitely didn't get any of that. Quite so, happy to eat out of a tin. Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, we've we've all done it. Um, so, what happened when you left um, the London? College of Fashion, School of Fashion. Yeah, so I went, um, I started doing internship at 
some of the magazines, some of the big mm-hmm. magazines in London. Mm-hmm. I actually went to Condé Nast and okay. did an internship there, which was very exciting. It is, yeah. Yes. And I think in terms of food, I still sort of developed this, again, stemming from the, from the early 90s as well, is very much the low-fat or fat-free era, yeah. which I think I, I continued definitely throughout my student years and then into kind of my early um early 20s the whole concept of just eating eating everything low fat or zero fat and oh no don't want any butter on that or don't want any oil on that or I'm not going to touch an avocado (laughs) that kind of thing yeah but that was the thing wasn't it because yeah when I was younger it was the f plan diet which was eat lots of fiber Mm. and then it was it was like eat anything that's been stripped of fat yes I never understood that that those foods were packed full of fillers and all sorts of things to try and make them taste better because they don't taste very good. No. And it was, you were never, um, well, I never understood about the health benefits or the implications of what it would do to your health or your nutrition, nutritional profile. And I think, you know, I I was very lucky in that my my parents would, um, they'd go out for lots of meals and I'd always go with them. Mm-hmm. Um, even as a child as well, but um, you know, when later on, when I was at university, and and my dad would come down to visit, uh, he'd always take me out for a, for a lovely meal somewhere. But I remember, I distinctly remember being, you know, ordering something like the grilled fish or, but absolutely no, couldn't have butter on it, and <laughs> the vegetables couldn't have butter on, yeah, um, and all that kind of thing. Um, and I look back now and think, oh, that's crazy, isn't it? Why did it's I crazy. do that? Yeah. <laughs> We're just going to take a little bit of a break. We'll be right back. You're listening to This Food Thing with me, Gemma Richards. Hi, welcome back to This Food Thing podcast. I'm here today with Sally Dixon. Uh, We've just been talking about Sally's early experiences with food and actually she has a very positive relationship with food. And we were really surmising that the what we really want to talk about is fertility in food and Sally's experience around that, not only professionally, but personally. And we did mention, didn't we, that you didn't really become interested in food in relation to your fertility until you started trying to conceive. Is that is that right? Yes, that's right. Well, I would I would say I didn't start looking into it until after I'd done two IVF cycles. Two IVF cycles. Yeah. So did you have any um, advice from your gynecologist or anyone that you were seeing or the clinics that you went to? In terms of food? Yeah. No, that abs- really? absolutely <laughs> no wow. guidance in terms of food, which I wow. find incredible now. Uh, but, you know, having looked at plenty of research papers and studies since then on the benefits, you know, it, it's not a cure-all. We're not saying no. that you you know you are going to get pregnant if you eat a certain food, absolutely not. But um, the quality and and sort of the nutrient density of the food that you do put into your body is of course going to going to you know give you maybe a better chance um, mm-hmm. when it comes to reproduction. Just because you're fueling the body with with great vitamins and minerals, which it, it needs, you know, for the for the eggs and the sperm. So. No, at no point did uh, any of my IVF doctors say to me um, to eat a certain way or to eat certain foods. In fact, on my second cycle, the month before the cycle, I had really, really bad flu for Mm -hmm. 10 days, 
really ill, um, you know, in bed. Mm-hmm. And and then I had, I never know how to pronounce it, so I hope I'm pronouncing it, so something called rhabdomyolysis. Okay. Um, which basically it, it affects your your muscles. Um, but they're both quite, you know, it's it's quite a toll on the body to have both of those things. And and when I t- said to my IVF, IVF doctor, look, I've had this and I've had this, am I still okay to proceed? Oh, yeah, no, it's absolutely fine. Yeah, it won't, really? won't have any bearing on the cycle. And when I look now and think, well, you know, that those kind of last few weeks are the crucial development stages for, for the eggs that are then going to go on to be used in the IVF treatment. So, yeah. um, you know, if you're, if you're not feeling, well, I wasn't even feeling 50%, never mind hundred percent. So. <laughs> wow. Did you stay with that clinic or did you move on? No, I moved on from there. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's important to say, isn't it, that people conceive all the time on all sorts of diets, on not yeah, enough food, definitely. on food that yeah. we might, you yeah. and I might go, oh God, right. Okay. Um, but if it is within your your world that you want to sort your diet out, then obviously it becomes very important because the intention with which you put that food into your body is going to have an impact, isn't it? Yeah, it's definitely. The whole sort of consciousness before matter and what what you think and what you feel. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think you know it's important to remember that everyone uh, you know has a different bioavailability. So by that I mean you know what people eat they all absorb different vitamins and minerals from it just down to purely how their body works yeah um and so you know there are you know people say oh well there's plenty of people out there that they eat uh, a load of crap and then and then they get yeah. pregnant yeah. but you know that might be just the way their body works kind of thing and there yeah and that's clearly not for you do no. you um so so you've done five IVF cycles do you are you religious about it do you stick to this way of eating during between after is it all the time or do you have holidays um so this one coming up will be my fifth mm-hmm. and no I mean I guess I th- I think the thing is once you start eating a certain way then mm. I, for me, it, it, it's a way of life. Like I, I feel, I see the other benefits of, of eating a nutrient dense and varied diet. You know, my, my skin is clear pretty much all the time. Um, my hair grows well. I, you know, you, you just feel good. I feel good anyway, eating, eating a certain way. Um, so eating whole foods. So by that, I mean, you know, things which have minimal ingredients. So you're, or cooking from scratch and all that kind of thing. Um, so I, I wouldn't kind of change it, I don't think. In, but I mean, I do, I do, I go out and have like, I will have wine, obviously, and I eat chocolate and all that kind of thing. Okay. Um, I, was in, I was going to ask about alcohol, actually. Yeah. I, mean, I, I Obviously, I don't whilst I'm doing a cycle, but yeah, I will have the old glass of red wine here and there. Definitely. Does, because what, what I find interesting about it, um, is the fact that you don't, that you, clearly your personality or your mentality allows you to, I guess, do what what you want because you don't slip into being obsessive and controlling and I now eat this way and I must eat this way all the time. So it doesn't become like a, a tyranny. No. It's obviously something that you embody and enjoy and believe in definitely definitely I'm, I'm one of those 
one of those people that gets excited about eating healthy food or or like yeah. if I find like a really nice healthy restaurant um yeah I'm like yeah. oh that's exciting and I I, yeah. I I think it's maybe because I don't eat processed food your taste buds change as well so you know for some people maybe eating um say blueberries or something they don't taste that sweet because they're used to eating sweets or mm -hmm. they're used to eating sugary processed foods um but for me like blueberries and raspberries are really sweet so um i don't know i i, I see them as a treat i guess and I also know that they're doing me doing me well too I'd, I'd say the the when it comes to tyranny like you say the only thing is since finding out last year about the gluten and dairy intolerances that's quite a challenge for me because it becomes quite hard like I said when you're eating out and you have to ask for the gluten free menu and then it, in some restaurants it becomes a bit of a big deal and they're like shall we bring the chef out and I'm like no 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 <laughs> yeah. I don't want to bring the chef out just just tell me what's gluten free and I'll pick that <laughs> Yeah, it, yeah, it does become more difficult eating out. I am, um, well, I'm not trying to get pregnant, but um, I, uh, I'm much more relaxed in restaurants than I used to be. Mm. I'm much more uh, not controlling, but I can sort of keep an eye on what I eat when I'm at home. And I think, uh, yeah, the whole thing about no, non-dairy and no gluten is very interesting. And I always wonder if it's to do with the pesticides that are put on the grains rather than it being the gluten. Yeah, you or know, even what, the actual strain of the grains, obviously, because yeah. they've changed so much within the last hundred years as to what and the they mono were farming, yeah. yeah, and the way that we farm dairy animals and the, the dairy industry, which is, I think, it's horrendous. Yeah, um, totally. I uh, yeah. So, so you're dairy free and you're gluten free, and you eat obviously, as you said, a, a whole food diet. What would you say are your yeah, what are your like top tips for food for fertility? It's a bit the cliche, isn't it? But yeah. <laughs> um, well, first of all, I'd say that, that everyone doesn't have to be gluten free and dairy free. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's just my personal. Um, that was my test results that came back. But um, definitely removing processed foods from your diet where you can. So by that, you know, you you're looking at your kind of sandwiches that you grab on the run. Um, and why, why would you, why would you question the sandwich? <laughs> um, well, you want to look at the ingredients basically and see, uh -huh. does it have, so you're looking for whole grains really. So unrefined grains. So obviously bread is processed, uh, because mm -hmm. it goes through a process to turn it into bread. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, but basically whole unrefined whole grains, they they tend to keep you fuller for longer and and sustain energy. So with so maybe perhaps you know if you're having sort of a white bread sandwich uh, that's been made you know maybe a few days before or whatever packaged, um, you, it has the potential to elevate blood sugar levels, and then you feel that kind of crash of energy afterwards. And with fertility, you're kind of looking to to balance your blood sugar levels. Okay. Um. And in terms of processed food, you know, quite often things like sunflower oils are used in processed meals and they can be inflammatory to, mm -hmm. to some people. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, with fertility, you're, you're looking for, you know, you're looking to reduce inflammation in the body from food. Do you ever get angry at your way of eating? 
because your um, your cycle is unsuccessful? Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes I do. Um, you know, you think, oh, I'm doing my best, and I'm yeah, I'm eating some great food, and yeah, I you know I feel great as a benefit of it, but why has it not worked? And I've got to remember, obviously, that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not old, but I'm older. Mm-hmm. I'm 44, so um, at my age, it's something like I, I'm not sure what the exact statistic is, but it's something like one in 20 of the eggs that I produce will be viable, which which means that it, you know, can go on to create life. Yeah. Um, in a younger woman, that that percentage would be much higher. So essentially it's a bit of a lottery when it comes to the IVF cycles because you're looking for that one in 20. So Mm. what if this month that one is not in there? (laughs) Um, So I've got to kind of keep that in mind as well. But knowing that every cycle I do, I am doing my best to um, make sure that that one, when it it shows up, is, um, you know, has the best chance to, uh, and, and then the child, that is born of that as a result then goes on to have the best chance in life as well in terms of you know chronic diseases and all that kind of thing absolutely does your partner eat a similar diet uh, so i don't have a partner so okay. i'm actually doing it with a donor okay um, so how do you know about the donor's diet uh well so you can you can access quite a lot of information from the the donor websites okay and interesting. I of course scrutinize them for <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for all kinds of things. Um so the, the it does come back with a report a DNA report obviously and and then it also there's a questionnaire which asks them um you know what they eat and how much alcohol they drink and all that kind of thing. So you can wow kind of choose a healthy you know the healthiest That's- one that you you perceive to be healthy. Yeah. <laughs> That's so interesting. Yeah. That's amazing. I didn't know that you could... Well, I don't... yes, yes. I. Um... That's very interesting. I'm just thinking about issues of control because uh, clearly I, I understand why you're eating the way that you eat and we all have our, our, our ways, but this, it is controlled, isn't it? Yeah. And, yet, I mean, and then the, you have yeah. this other element that's actually out of your control even though you've got reports and you can DNA tests and stuff I was just yes and I maybe lose my words I think the when it comes to the food for me definitely that was in in the whole kind of IVF treatment cycle everything's out of your control like everything so for me the food side of it was the one thing that I could see not not as control but as okay you know th- I'm being really positive about what I'm eating and I'm making sure everything's you know nutrient dense and I'm getting good variety into my diet I'm eating whole foods I'm trying not to eat processed foods so I guess I felt from that side that I I was doing my best even though everything else was out of control I imagine it makes you feel empowered it does yeah it does and like yes. you're steering your own ship yes for ones of a better, better image, <laughs> steering your own ship. Hundred percent, fueling myself with all this, yeah. all this yeah. good stuff, and, um, and giving yourself, yeah, the best chance. So what did you find out about? Um, what did you find out about your, uh, your hormones? Reading the the grandparent book that we mentioned at the beginning. 
Um, so yeah, the grandparent, the you are what your grandparents ate is very That's interesting right. because yeah. uh, current science shows us that we are born with with all the eggs in our ovaries, so one to two million. Mm-hmm. So if you imagine that, so when you're, you know, a, a twinkle in your mum's eye, when, so when your yeah. mum is in your um, grandmother's womb, yeah, your eggs are already there. Yeah. So whatever your grandmother is eating is kind of fueling um, those eggs as well. Uh, and I know actually my my grandmother was allergic to green stuff, so <laughs> she didn't eat any she, greens. Did yeah. she not? <laughs> no. But she had your mum. But she had my mum, yeah. Yeah, yeah. she had you. What, what Do you know what your grandmother's diet was like? Um, she used to eat very small, very small poor. She was, she was um, super slim. Um, she used to eat very small portions. Uh, okay. she was she was always very measured with what she ate so say for example she'd she'd bake a lot of cakes for the rest of the family but she would have a tiny sliver and then <laughs> leave the rest for everyone else <laughs> yeah no i i understand that yeah. or she'd just have one biscuit one arrowroot biscuit and then that was it so she well, was very that, isn't that isn't that fascinating about the control again yes i know yeah the ability to do that yeah yeah oh, what did i read this week there was something about um Oh, Jennifer Aniston did an interview. In fact, someone posted about this on Instagram. They were talking about disordered eating and saying, well, they were sort of having a go at Jennifer Aniston, but she said, oh, I can walk up to a bag and just have one chip, one crisp and, and walk away. And I can just have two drinks. And um, the response was like, well, this is, you know, this is kind of promoting disordered eating. And I'm I'm in two minds about it. I liked, I liked that I liked the post, but um, I'm not sure if it is disordered or if it's actually kind of fine. If you're fine with it, you're fine with it. Um, but that is, it is very controlling as well, isn't it? And it's just made me think of your, your grandmother. My grandmother had low blood sugars levels a lot. Oh, so did my mum. And so, yeah. And so do I. Yeah. I, it's, it's hard to know whether it's control or whether it's just, you're so in tune with what you want that, you know, one biscuit is enough. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't have yeah. to eat the whole packet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. even want it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, um, which will be we 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 it will be weird for a lot of people listening because um, I talk a lot about eating disorders on this podcast. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, they'll be going, God, what are you talking about? <laughs> Goodness <laughs> sake! Um, so, did, yes, I'm. I'm. So you you know that about your grandmother. Um, what, what about your mum? Did did she have a healthy relationship with food? Yeah, I think so. I mean, my, like I said, my parents used to eat out a lot or they used to be, um, you know, going to dinner parties or things like that. So it was always quite rich food, I guess, um, because they grew up in that era, obviously, of of dinner parties and drinking and and eating rich food and, and going to restaurants and having, you know, a starter, a main and a dessert. That was kind of commonplace. Um, and did she, did your, on your, um, maternal side, were there any fertility issues? No, no, okay. not that okay. I know of. No, I, I have, I have looked into that, been like looking down the family tree and all that kind of thing, but, um, no, no. So I don't know for me whether it's more of a, um, a mental block perhaps, uh-huh. Uh-huh. uh, because I feel healthy and, um, I am healthy. In fact, I got, (laughs) 
for some reason I got told by the GP um, that I was one of their gold what is that something like a gold patient or something like that because um because I never go in for oh, really <laughs> for anything and they and they basically wanted oh, to take okay. my bloods and do some tests on me to see why I was so healthy for my age <laughs> so so I thought God, that was fantastic funny. that's fantastic um I uh Oh, I don't know. It's it's so complicated, and I'm kind of a little bit. Um, well, I want to be respectful for your situation, but when I was trying to get pregnant, I my stumbling block, if I'm really honest, was the fact I couldn't bear mm. of being out of control of my body, and of being fat. And when I was, when we got to the point of trying to trying uh, with IVF, I just couldn't do it because yeah. I just got myself together. I just got my hormonal situation together, which took forever. Um, I was like, I can't, I can't go through this again. Yeah. And I had great support around me. Yeah, I, just, I mean, it's yeah, tough. I couldn't in, do it from all sides, isn't it? Really, with IVF. I think, I think for me, it's more about the the fact that it's unnatural. Um, you know, I would, I would love to have a natural conception, but I don't have a partner, so, um, yeah. so I had to basically make the decision. Yeah. last year to be like okay I'm just gonna go back to IVF um because I, I hoped that I would meet someone but then the lovely pandemic came along and, and that <laughs> that put paid to uh dates or yeah. anything like that so I made the decision to to do it myself but but it, there is in the back of my mind there's always because I eat so well and I eat so healthily there's always this thing in the back of my mind of it it's just so many drugs and it's so unnatural and I don't really want to be putting these drugs into my body um so that's kind of a challenge in my mind let's take a quick break and we'll talk about that in just a moment you're listening to this food thing with me Gemma Richards so welcome back to this food thing podcast. I'm here with Sally Dixon. We're just talking about uh, eating really well for conception uh, whilst doing an IVF cycle and then having to take tons and tons of drugs. And I'm so glad you raised that, Sally. So how do you remedy that? Do you do you have to detox after a no, cycle? No, I think you I you know, I've spoken to friends about it before and 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 friends I have a particularly good friend that's been through IVF as well and she's all about natural as well, so it's a challenge for her too, but I think you've got to kind of turn it around and and see the drugs as a good thing. You know, they're they're helping you with something and not to think of them negatively because obviously, you know, there's what's that other um book, The Body Keeps the Score. So, you know, the brain, if you're feeding it these messages of, oh, this is, you know, drugs and it's really bad for me and I don't want to take them, then the body yeah. will respond accordingly. Yeah. And so, um, you know, it's not it's not going to help you in in terms of your cycle. But uh, no, I I don't detox because you know I believe that um, my body will do that for me. You know, my body's built to do that. It's built to detox. Uh, I'm going to eat a lot of antioxidant rich foods to to help it do that. So plenty of fruit and vegetables, and trying to eat a rainbow, as they say. So eating as many different colors of fruit and vegetables as possible just to give my body that chance to, um, you know, to help get rid of some of those toxins that have built up from the IVF cycle. Um, yeah. What, uh, 
was going to be really cheeky, actually. I'm going to ask you a personal question, but you don't have to answer it. If hopefully everything crosses, this cycle is going to be successful, will you do another one? Another cycle? Mm. Oh, did you if mean you if it's, su- did you say if it's successful or if it's not successful? Well, oh, no, I see. It, I I see. Hopefully it is yes, successful. Yes, yes. I'm, I'm doing um, what they call a three cycle package. So I've got another two to go <laughs> after this one. Right. <laughs> Oh, you've got another two to go. You've got loads of time. Yeah. You've got loads of time. Okay. Oh, that's good to know that. So as regards being the fertility chef, obviously all your information will be on our Instagram page and I know that you have your own website. Do you run courses? Do you do one-to-one coaching? How How does that happen? So I actually, that there's a workshop at the moment up on the College of Naturopathic Medicine on their website. Yeah. Uh, facility foods for fertility mm-hmm. workshop that's coming up very soon and we're going to be filming some other stuff as well uh but at the moment on my website um it's it's more like a, for me my website's more like a bit of a, a blog and kind of just getting information out there that people might not be aware of because quite often you know we're we're told about good nutrition and healthy eating once you're already pregnant but there's not much out there to do with preconception and the time before you get pregnant um when do so you I, say when do you say that that starts i mean these are general generalities aren't so they? it's a it's around three months well three months at the latest but then you know six six to three months before conception because obviously once you conceive um, and quite often, you know, if it's a natural pregnancy, you might not know you're pregnant. So, you know, the, the embryo is going to develop based on the stores of nutrients that you already have. So it's not mm-hmm. going to be going off what you're eating today kind of thing. Yeah. So if you can build up, uh, you know, a great store of, of nutrients in your body prior to conception, then, you know, you kind of set yourself in good stead for um, your own health and the baby's health going forward. Did you do you find that you have to eat a lot? Yeah, do you know? I sometimes I I don't calorie count um mm-hmm. at all, but because I've uh been doing my nutrition and lifestyle coaching diploma, uh we we do as part of our some of our modules we have to look at calories and not go below a certain calorie amount per day. Um and so I've been monitoring mine just to see, and actually I'm, I struggle to get them all in, even though I'm eating yeah. so much. And it's because when you eat whole foods, so, you know, fruit and vegetable, I keep banging on about whole foods, whole foods, but um, fruit and vegetables and basic um, ingredients rather than a processed meal. Yeah, it, You really struggle to get the calories in. So, yeah, so um, where do you get your quite calories from? So just eating a lot a lot of vegetables basically and um meat as well i eat meat too okay um good quality proteins so grass-fed meat where possible okay organic eggs uh, organic chicken all that kind of thing do you eat fat yes avocado olive oil uh so staying away from trans fats trans mm-hmm. fats are the ones that you find in crisps and cakes and yeah processed foods again um, I love crisps but yes <laughs> and eating really good fats like olive oil and coconut yeah. cooking with coconut oil um you know fats fats are essential for balanced hormones so um 
I dread to think what my hormones were like back in the day when I was low fat and zero fat and <laughs> yeah, well, probably, non- probably non-existent. Eating all the, the fake fat. <laughs> what about the whole debate around uh, rapeseed oil and that rapeseed oil is great for you, but we put so many pesticides on it? Yeah, do you know what? I, I need to research more into the whole rapeseed oil thing, but mm. I did read somewhere that it, it used to be used as as fuel, like as a petrol kind of thing. Yeah. And then now it's turned into a food source. I think it's to do with the growing size of the crop. Right. I think it's either, and yeah, God, forgive me for my ignorance, it's either because it's too high um, or it's too short and they want to grow it twice rather than once a year. It's to do with the um, production of it. Right. Yeah, I did. I just, I I know that on our, when I did my, um, natural chef training at the College of Naturopathic Medicine, we we kind of stayed away from rapeseed oil. Did you? Uh, okay. And yeah. you like coconut oil because of the smoking point? Yes. Yes. Okay. 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 So um, if you were going to go to an island, mm-hmm. <laughs> any island that you want to go to, so any, any climate, uh, what five foods would you take with you? Well, let me have a think. Um, I did listen, I listened to one of your previous podcasts actually and she had super healthy, no, but her, her choices were so healthy. (laughs) Oh, I know. And I've had a couple of people, um, (laughs) one person who didn't take any food at all, which was really quite cool, but I shouldn't really say that because she didn't (laughs) want to have to deal with the, the, the trauma on the Island of like, what food should I eat? And then I did interview my friend Ian who's got very bad OCD and he took five sachets of powdered food. Oh, the space food. I did, I listened to that one. I remember buying that space food from when I was in America as a child. He was very um, smart because he said, it's not going to go off, is it? Your food's going to go off in the, in the sunshine. Yeah. So you can take whatever you want. I would just take crisps, but anyway, yeah, but me. Yeah. Crisps <laughs> are on my list actually. However, they're, they're, um, I particularly crave these crisps at the moment, but they're made with extra virgin olive oil, of course. Oh, are they? Are you going um, to name the brand? If you, if, if I'm allowed to. Oh, I don't care. Name the brand. Are they yeah. called Torres? Oh, I know Torres crisps. Yeah. You can get black truffle ones as well, don't yes. you? Yes, yes. Yeah, but I don't truffle, think the but... black, I don't think the black truffle ones are cooked in extra virgin olive oil. Ah, okay. I think okay. they might be in sunflower oil. Okay. So. It's just the kind of plain salted ones. Torres crisps. Oh, okay, so you've got so salted Torres so got, crisps. Yes. Yeah. And then definitely almond butter. Okay. I eat a lot of almond butter. Okay. Um, some dark chocolate. Mm-hmm. Without milk in, obviously. Mm-hmm. And some seeds to grow my own fruit and vegetables. Very clever. Yes. And then, what's that? Have I got one more? You've got four. You've done crisps. You've got a really very unhealthy diet here. You've got crisps <laughs> and you've got, you've got tons of kids running around so you can eat what you want. You've got crisps, dark chocolates, seeds to grow your own fruit and veg, which is a bit cheaty, but very clever. So I'm going to let you have that. And you've got almond butter. And then let's say some some coconut oil and then I can cook my my veg in that coconut oil okay yeah well I think that's a very good list that rivals Ian with his sachets of powder (laughs) 
um, thank you so much for coming on today. It's taken us a while, hasn't it, to sort this conversation out? It has, yeah. I'm glad we got there. Oh, finally, yeah. It's been <laughs> an absolute delight. And as I said earlier, all your information will be on our Instagram page. Yes. And um, yeah, so much luck. So much luck. Thank you, Gemma. Thank love you. to you for your successful cycles. Yeah. Still on this journey. successful cycle. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Onwards and upwards. All right. Yeah, thank you, Sally. Definitely. Thanks, Gemma. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I'd love to know your favourite bit from this episode. Let me know on Instagram at This Food Thing Podcast or join us again in the next episode.